In our series on, um, on the book of Romans, we have now come to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 is where Paul is going to bring everything together. And of all that he's talked about, we talked about, you know, quit apologizing for God. There is a thing called the wrath of God against sin. Man is alienated against God in his rebellion. We talked about being justified by faith and by by faith alone and not by the works of the law. We talked about how the law works in our life, you know, now that we are saved, not by the law, but by faith. We've talked about, you know, the power of the Holy Spirit working in us to become the people that God wants us to be. We've talked about enduring suffering. We've, we've talked about last or two weeks ago that God wants you. Come on, about being chosen. He wants you. You didn't come after God. You're not that holy. God came after you. I don't care if you got saved at two. Okay, God came after you in the nursery. I mean, he, 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 as the big term right now, he woke you. Okay, he woke you. He got, he got woke and uh, your eyes were open, your heart was open. The Bible says none seeks after God. Don't give me any of this Sunday school thing. I was just a nice little girl. I never sinned. Come on, you're a sinner saved by grace. He came after you. He woke you up. He opened your eyes. He regenerated you. And, and I know that some of you, we raised four daughters. They were touched at an early age. Leslie is on the front row with us today. She got radically touched as a young girl. Radically touched. And uh, I mean, he just does that. But man, was she a sinner at five? I'm telling you. <laughs> no. Nah. She was a good girl, but uh, still was a sinner. But we, we, we didn't seek after him. He came after us. And so that was, became our identity. Now what Paul's going to do, in, in light of all that Jesus has done and all that he's taught, how do you break this down now in a day-in and day-out lifestyle? In other words, how, how should I live now on the basis of those truths? And of course, the title of the sermon is, How Shall I Then Live? And so looking at this, how shall I, how shall I live and how shall I apply in my life? I mean, is it, you know, do I, is it about prayer? Is it about serving others and serving the church? Serving the community is about using my gifts naturally and spiritually to build others up and extend G the kingdom and Jesus in their life. Is it, um, is it about relieving suffering? Is it about sharing my faith? Is it correcting an injustice where I have power to change some injustice? Is it about, you know, going, you know, to my neighbor and letting him know about Jesus? Is it building a local church? And the answer is yes. It's not just you know, I do the little thing over here. It's yes, 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 yes. And so our scripture today is Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And Paul says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, all that you are, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed. Literally means to be squeezed and molded to this world and its value system, its world perspectives, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind or the renewal of your mind that doing that, you'll be able to test. By testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so I'd be able to discern it. Now, we talk about in our series, our identity as a church. And we kind of, every sermon, we kind of, this is our identity. In other words, it's a, it's a declaration of who I am. Last time I preached two weeks ago, I am wanted. Come on, everyone just say that again. I am wanted. Come on, God wanted you. He really wanted you. He went down, he says, I want that one right there. How many boomers remember that show, That Girl? 
Remember Marla Thomas, okay? That girl, that girl, okay? Well, Jesus points to us. I want that one. I want that one right there. I mean, what a, what a beautiful thing that God wanted me and he wanted you. We've been drafted into his kingdom, into his army. But today, our identity is going to go a little bit deeper than that. And so it's not just who I am, it's who we are as a church. And this is it. Our life is an offering. Our life is an offering. That's my identity. What are you? I'm an offering. You're looking at a smoldering, smoky offering here. I'm burnt for God. That's what we're supposed to, that's my identity. That's your identity. Paul said it this way, I am crucified with Christ. You know, we, we, we always like, I am who he said I am. I am chosen, I am loved, I am this. I am burnt. I am an offering. Now I know that we think sacrifices ended with Jesus. He paid for our sins once for all. There's no more sacrifices for sin. Absolutely, that's true. But it doesn't mean that sacrifices stop in the New Testament. And any time we talk about sacrifices, people use the, the, the L word, legalism. Oh, that sounds like legalism. No, we can see today, Paul says, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. It's not legalism. It's part of our relationship with Jesus. Sacrifices didn't stop. In fact, in the Old Testament, all sacrifices didn't have to do with sin. There was the daily burn offering. I call it the charcoal offering. It's a Holocaust offering, the Hebrews call it. In other words, it was put on the fryer in the morning in the, in the temple, and it fried all day until it burnt completely whole. You didn't eat it. You took it outside the city and dumped it. You put a fresh one on the altar, and it burned 24 hours a day. It was wholly cooked. Everyone say, I am wholly cooked. It had nothing to do with my sin. It had to do with my consecration. Now that I am saved, there is a sacrifice. I offer myself. So sacrifices didn't stop. And uh, I know that it sounds kind of morbid, and I know that it kind of sounds kind of painful, and it sounds miserable, and it sounds monastic and everything else, but there really is joy. I remember when I went to Bible college in the early 80s, I kept hearing the stories of this famous missionary by the name of Dennis Balcom. We've had Dennis here at the church. But I heard about him and how he just radically just he learned like Mandarin Chinese in two months, mastered it. Uh, he, you know, he went to Vietnam. He was in 14 months in combat, wouldn't carry any bullets in his gun because he didn't want to kill someone from Asia because he knew he was called to Asia. So he wouldn't carry bullets in battle. And uh, he, by the prophecies of David Schock, he, all, he said, men will fall to your left and fall to your right, but you won't be harmed. In fact, he was in a, it was in a firefight, one of those sandbag outpost bases in Vietnam where you know, there was a, it was a firefight where the, the enemy was just pouring down fire upon this camp and had floodlights on and all the guys are huddled in the, in the, in the foxholes and Dennis Balcom said, you know what? The word of the Lord is over me that they'll fall to my left and fall to my right so nothing can harm me. So he stood up and he just walked, the bullets flying all over the place and he turned off the lights, okay, walked back into his foxhole and the whole platoon came jumping into his foxhole. We're sticking with you because God's with you. He lived that way. I mean, all these stories, you know, how he went, was taken to uh, churches, the underground, and coffins to hide him, and how he'd been in jail, and, you know, and just all these things. It's just, I mean, and he's going to speak at our church on a Sunday evening at Bible Temple, and I'm, I'm going to see this missionary, and it's going to kind of like, I'm going to hear this sermon like, sell out for God, you know, sacrifice, and I was embracing myself for morbidity. 
And up came the most enthusiastic, happy, joyful person with more energy than the whole room here put together. Just how much God's doing and how excited he is and what a great joy and there's humor and laughter and, and just wonderful. And I'm thinking, you know what? When I offer myself completely as a burnt offering, when I offer myself completely, I really am a happy person because I have no ax to grind. I have no rights to fight for. I have, I have nothing to preserve. I don't give a rip about my reputation. I, I have nothing I cling to. I just, I just got him. You know what? I'm happy. Bill Brown, missionary to Mexico. I mean, he's planted way over 500 churches. His wife served in Taiwan, served in West Africa. He went every year to the Eskimos of the North, of, of the North Arctic and went up there in the snow with the dog sleds and the whale blubber and the whole thing and preaches and has conferences up there. I mean, he's just, he's just sacrificed for the kingdom of God. Beat, uh, drove a beat-up station wagon. One time he had it kept it at my house for two months and my daughter got in a car accident with it and he got a whole bunch of money. He said, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. <laughs> but, you know, Bill, it was just, he's just, you know that guy that sings in Oklahoma? You know, it was that big kind of baritone. Oh, what a beautiful morning. That's the way it is to travel with Bill. He gets up in the morning. Good morning, Lord, I praise you. Good morning, Susan. Good morning, Bob. Hallelujah. Okay, his, his license plate says joy. So this isn't morbidity, this isn't misery, this isn't monasticism, it's just me and you putting ourselves on the altar and saying, I am completely yours, I am, I, this is my, my offering is you, whatever you want to do with this thing called my life. Now I, I got some quotes to move us today, just thought I'd inspire you with some quotes, I was just in the mood. I love Francis Chan, crazy love, overwhelmed by a relentless God, he says, we never grow closer to God when we just live life. You can just, how many people know you can just live life? Get up in the morning, eat, go to work, come home, watch the news, complain about the smoke, complain about COVID, complain about this, complain about that, can't wait to get rid of this new normal, get back to the old normal, okay, go to sleep and do it every day after day after day after day after day. Come on, you could do that, but it takes deliberate pursuit and attentiveness to go after the will of God. You gotta go after this thing. I like people who are into the one thing. The will of God. I mean, that's their passion. I like dedicated people. I like intense people in any area. I, like, I, hate, I hate casualness. I like when people are just, I'm intense about this thing, and they're willing to be hard on themselves without being under condemnation. I know they know they're adopted. They know that they're chosen. They know that they're forgiven. They know that they're on their way to heaven. But, man, I just want to grow. And they're willing to be hard. I need to pray more. I'm just, I just need to pray more. I, I need... You know, I need to, I, I got to quit complaining. I got a bad attitude. I've been too selfish lately. And they got, know how to be kind of hard on themselves. I call it being awesome. They know how to be awesome. How are you doing? You know, I'm doing pretty good, but I could be doing better. Okay, well, I, that's not, you shouldn't do that. You should be satisfied. No, 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 you're pursuing with attentiveness the will of God because I want to put myself on the altar. A.W. Tozer is one of the great writers of the 20th century, died in 1963, missionary alliance pastor, wrote a number of books. He and his wife almost renounced all materialism, never owned a car, pastor like three, four, five churches, never owned a car, took a bus everywhere, rode the train. When he became wealthy from selling his books, he became a prolific writer, all the royalties he gave to the needy. He was deeply concerned about the casualness 
and the indifference of the modern church. This is the modern church like in the 1930s and the 1940s and 1950s. This is what he said. God wants the whole person, and he will not rest until he gets us in entirety. No part of the man will do. You, just can't, you can't just say, hey, God, today you get my arm. I don't want just want your arm. I want your arms, your legs, your limbs, your whole body, your mind, your affections. I mean, no, no part will do. It's your whole, whole self I want. I remember I was praying back in the 80s on the Bible college. I was excited, and, and in my mind, you know, Sue and I had really paid a price. And, and I'm praying. I got a picture of a cow back in my second grade classroom. We had this we had this picture of a cow where they kind of cut it in half so we can see all their four stomachs and their innards and stuff. And they, our field trip was to go to the dairy and learn about cows. And I'm seeing this cow, and I'm, I'm, I'm seeing this cow picture from my second grade classroom. And I said, Lord, what is this? He says, that's what you're offering me. You're offering me half an offering. That wasn't a warm day in my prayer closet. The idea was that God somehow in my heart, he wanted a little bit more out of me. John Piper says this in his book, Don't Waste Your Life. He says, it's becoming clear and clear that if I wanted to, to come to the end of my life and not say, I've wasted it, that I would need to press all the way in, all the way up to the ultimate purpose of God and join him, Jesus, in it. If my life was to have a single, all-satisfying and unifying passion, it would be be to have God's passion. It would be God's passion that I want. Arthur Wallace, famous author, said, you do well with your life if you found out what God was doing and threw yourself into it. I want God's, I want to go all the way up. I want to be all the way in. David Platt, a lot of people complain about David. He's a little bit too radical. He wrote a book called Radical, taking back our faith from the, from the American dream. He writes this, Radical obedience to Christ is not easy. It's not comfort. It's not health. It's not wealth. It's not prosperity in this world. Radical obedience to Christ risks losing all these things. But in the end, such risk finds its reward in Christ. And he is more than enough for us. Come on, you think about the gifts who are with us on an extended furlough because of quarantines in the places where they are around the world. You know, when, when people like the Gibbs or people like the Pereiras or people like the, you know, the Guilfords and, and others in, our, in, the, in the Provost, they, they go into places where there's a lot of vulnerabilities that you and I do not expose ourselves to. The missionaries of the early 20th century and the latter part of the 19th century, most likely you're going to the mission field and you're going to die there. One, you went by boat. Second, you were exposed to elements like crazy. And you do get sick internationally. I've done about 80 to 100 international trips. And I know what it is to be vomiting all over the place and pouring with sweat and sick. And I mean, there's just all sorts of germs out there. Foods out there, allergies out there, you know, bad stuff that can get you and, and you, you still just do it. It's been amazing to be burning with fever and to stand up and have all the power to preach for an hour and, and go back down and collapse but when you're preaching, man, there's still grace there and you're not sick at all. Really strange. Sue's observed it many times. But uh, here's the issue. Come on, we got to get sold out. I'm not saying I am. I don't think I am. I think I need the sermon as bad as you do. 
I love Ignatius of Antioch, famous early church father back in the second century. He's famous for his writings, and he wrote seven letters from Antioch to Rome. He, he, he lived somewhere between 112 and 140 A.D. He was about a third, fourth generation Christian. He writes letters, seven letters, on his way to his martyrdom to the churches. And I love this quote by Ignatius of Antioch. I'm writing to all the churches to let it be known that I will gladly die for God if only you do not stand in my way. He's talking to Christians. Don't try to get me out of this martyrdom. Let me be food for the wild beasts for they are my way to God. Now that's what I call attitude. Now that guy's got attitude. Let me be prime rib for that lion. Let that tiger sever me in two because it is my way to Jesus. I don't think he's holding on to anything. I don't, I don't think he's holding back. I think he's, he's got all his chips in. That's kind of divine poker. I'm in. I'm all in. Now, Paul's thoughts in Romans 12, I'm going to give you six of them, bring us home here to what he's trying to say. He starts off, and he, and he really is laying this out. All that we do for God is based on what Jesus Christ has done for us. He starts off by saying, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, because of all that I've taught you in the book of Romans, Paul's saying, and all that Jesus has done for you, I'm making an appeal. And today I'm making an appeal as a pastor of all that Jesus has done for us about what we need to do in response to that. The second thing is this, that we are to present our bodies, all that we are, my talents, my, my imagination, my dreams, my emotions, as an offering to be used for God's service. Come on, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Come on, God wants the whole person, A.W. Tozer said. He wants us in entirety. Remember one time, Wendell Smith is now in heaven, and uh, he and I put a curriculum together for youth pastors back in the 1980s, and he was really into acronyms, and so we liked like 50 alphabet, and we're trying to like have a, have a principle for every alphabetical letter, and you know, I think it was like R was recreation, and we define recreation as things that renew you in the midst of zealous activity. See, we've made the renewal the goal instead of the means. You want to go to Hawaii for two weeks? I want you to get blessed and enjoy it. You want to use my cabin? Just come talk to me. Go up and enjoy it. There's no electricity up there, but enjoy it. Okay, refresh, but it's not the goal. The Sunset Magazine lifestyle is not the goal. Travel guide, and the ultimate, the 10 places that everyone needs to go see is not the goal. I want to take Sue to Ireland. That's her big thing right now. She's, she's reading Irish novels. She's playing the Irish harp, okay? She's doing all that. We're going to go to Ireland, okay? I'm going to get her there. Sue's going to Ireland as soon as we can even get out of the country. Okay, oh, great. But it, it's really not the goal. It's a means to refresh and renew and then get back into the game. Well, we're here. We're here to be burnt offerings to God. We want to be all in. We present our bodies and all that we are. And this type of offering is true spirituality and it's true worship. 
which is your spiritual worship. Now, we think worship is singing. We think, oh, I just, we sing. We finally had worship. And that singing is a part of worship, but it's not all that's a part of worship. We think spiritual is having intimate, subjective encounters with a living God. Are you against it? I'm absolutely for it. I thrive on those things. I need to be touched by God. So do you. But Jesus had a different view of worship than we do. Sorry to say this, and I love our worship team, and I love our singing, I loved our worship today. But this is what Jesus said. Remember when Satan offered him all the kingdoms of the world? Just, just worship me, pay honor to me. He said, just fall down, pay homage to me. And Jesus said this. I lost my place. Now I found it again. He said, get behind me, Satan. Be gone, Satan, for it's written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Now, he just didn't say worship, serve. Now, does it involve my lifting hands, my heart? Yes. I think if you just can't do that in the presence of God, there's something holding you back that needs to be broken in your life. But he said, in him only you shall serve. Now, I'm not going to try and pronounce the Greek word here. It's a hard word to pronounce the word serve, but it comes from a root word in the Greek that has to do with a hired servant. Okay? You serve him like a hired servant. He says, you want to worship God, you serve. So when you give money to a single mom who might need to make rent, okay, so she doesn't suffer because the Lord led you to do that, you're, serve, you're worshiping God. When you're offering up your time to maybe come alongside of somebody in a crisis and you're going to walk with them through that, you're worshiping God. When you share your faith because God led you to share Jesus with somebody, you're worshiping God. Come on, when you're sacrificing, I'm going to dig deeper. I want to learn the word of God. I'm going to minister to the Lord by becoming an open vessel for him to speak to in the word. You're worshiping God. It's all. And then when we come and we sing, we lift our hands and our hearts and our voices from a life that serves him 24 hours a day. There's something that God looks down from heaven and he, and he has a sniffer. <laughs> ah, that's a sweet aroma. Because those are servants worshiping you. It's not people. I got to get my fix. I got to get my, my, my experience fix. It's people that say, i got to worship him because it's the completion of all the other worship I've done this week and because I just want to abandon myself upon him. This type of offering can take place when we refuse to be squeezed into the world's system, value system. He said, do not be conformed to this world. Now, Here's the issue. We think when we say don't be squeezed in the world, okay, don't smoke and chew and hang around with those that do, okay? Christians don't do this. Christians don't do this. And there is holiness that we need. I'm not trying to downplay the fact that we need to live sanctified lives and be careful with our habits and everything else. But the issue is the world's value system is about the world. It's about things that are here today and gone tomorrow. It's about temporal enjoyment and pleasure. Some things that are not either immoral or, 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 or moral, they're just things that we do. Okay, we, we just, my life is about eating good food with my friends. And I think it's great to eat good food with your friends. It's better than eating bad food by yourself. <laughs> okay, it's, it's, 
it's travel, it's richness, it's experiences, it's perfection of a skill. It's, and I think we, our skills give glory to God. I, don't get me wrong, but it was just kind of we do the, what I call the, living the well-meaning life, the rich experience life. You can live a rich experience life without God, living autonomously from God, being separated from God, and you can still live this full life but it's not the life he called you to live. It's a life separated from God. And Paul's saying, don't be squeezed into the good life mold where you're like Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. I lived the way I wanted to live. I did what I wanted to do, and I lived a, a full life, and that's it. One, one athletic trainer that I kind of follow, he's, it's helped me with some stuff I'm dealing with my body he talks, he's not a Christian, he talks about this guy who just lives a full life, he runs to the end of his life and he hits the skids and he says, what a ride! But what's on the other side of that is a God he's been separated from. That's not the life we live. That's the world. We're not to be squeezed into that. But we're to do this. It's a type of offering that comes from a mind that is being transformed by a biblical view of life. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Now, here's the biblical view. Man, outside of Jesus, is separated from God. Man is lost. Man is alienated. And not only is he alienated, he's, not only is he hiding from God, like Adam did in Genesis 3, and he continues to hide from God, he's broken. He's broken because the consequences of his sin, and he's broken because he's trying to cope with life in his own strength. I'm doing a seminar. I'm putting it together. I'll do it for the church here eventually. But my first one I'm doing in Arizona here next weekend. And it's on fear, anxiety, and depression. You know what those all are? Those are man by himself apart from God trying to cope with the challenges of life. And through that comes tons of phobias and fears and depressions and wrong attitudes and and all sorts of things, and their, their bodies are destroyed, and they go mentally insane, and they break up relationships and destroy marriages, and they snap and everything else. Come on, Jesus came to not only bring him to him, he came to heal that. And this is what, here's the, the, the answer is the gospel. The answer to the United States of America is be transformed in the renewing of our mind from the inside out. I'm so surprised when Christians think that non-Christians should act like and think like Christians. Now, I was a non-Christian for 21 years. I want you to know, I didn't think like I think now. I didn't act like I act now. I would never step foot in a church. I hated Christians. But I was renewed. I'm being renewed like you are by the work of the Spirit and the work of the Word. The answer is the gospel. Can I hear an amen? amen. And so we're commissioned to share that gospel to people who are lost from God. We're here to heal the brokenness of people that have been broken because they've been alienated from God. That we're, called, we're commissioned to equip others to do the same thing. And then we're commissioned to either go or to send them and, com and continue the cycle. In other words, we are, the biblical worldview is not the good life. The biblical worldview is a mission life. I don't want to be squeezed into the world's image. Bumper sticker should be something like burnt. That'd be a good one. I am burnt. A burnt one. What's that? I'm wholly consumed. I've been wholly offered. And where are we going to go with this as a church? 
Oh, there's one more thing. I need to go back here. Here we go. This type of offering comes from a spiritual posture that can discern God's will. Notice what Paul says. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. By testing, you will be able to discern what is good. You'll be able to test what is acceptable. And what is, what is, you'll be able to test what is perfect. When I have embraced the cross... I have and I have presented myself to God in all that I am. And I have seen worship, not just in lifting my hands and singing, but in serving his will and serving his people and serving his purpose and serving my community as his ambassador. And when I have allowed, when I, when I just refuse to be squeezed into the good life world value system and I have been renewed by a biblical view of the mission of God, I am now postured to be able to know and to tell and discern what the will of God is. Not until. So Bob, if that hypothesis is correct, it's possible for a Christian to say, I, I accepted Jesus, attend church, and uh, not know the will of God because they haven't done this. And the answer is absolutely yes. There are some Christians who are tourists. They kind of take tours into the kingdom of God. Going on vacation, we're going to go over to the kingdom of God here. It's like someone goes to the beach on the weekend, or we're going to go in the kingdom of God this weekend, just kind of check it out. There's others who have made the kingdom of God their destination, their residence, where I want to go. Wish I was original with me. It comes from Eugene Peterson. Would you rather be a tourist or a resident? One who can discern the will of God or one is clueless because you've allowed the world to say, just live the rich life. You haven't offered, you've offered an arm, but that's about it. You haven't presented yourself completely. What would the church be like if we could all get there, including your pastor, and we offer ourselves? So I leave you with a question, a call to action. When you get together with your community group, Here's our call to action. In your next community group, you may want to write this down. Someone came up to it. What'd you say at the end? It's right here. Write it down. In your next community group, ask each other how you are offering yourself to God's purpose on a daily basis. Now, that'll look different with every person here. You don't know. One size doesn't fit all. But how are you doing that and what that looks like to you to offer yourself daily to God? Jesus, we're here. We want to be the burnt ones. We want to be smoking, totally consumed. Something that um, the world doesn't want to eat because it doesn't look good to them, but that's okay. We want to be pleasing to you. We want our all on the altar. Teach us, Lord, what that looks like daily. In Jesus' name, amen. Honey, why don't you come on up here? Okay, I want to, my earrings are stuck on my mask. I, I want to be an offering. This is, um, you know, just I was quoting from uh, the Passover story at communion, and I was reminded that the Passover offering, the Passover lamb that they were to cook, what wasn't eaten had to be burnt up. And uh, 
there was a reason for that. Again, in God's economy, he knows that we need to be reminded all the time of what he is in our life. It's so easy to just get on with our life and get busy. And I'm busy. But it is so important to remember that what we have and what we are is only because of what he has done for us. And so I want to just shout out how many of us want to just, let's go home and just burn something in the stove tonight. No, I'm just kidding. Just to remember. But that's what the, that's what the, the Hebrews were called to do, to be, do physical reminders. And God, uh, you know, I need physical, like visual, I think. I'm a visual person. I need visual reminders sometimes, as those, those Hebrews did, too. Lord, we thank you today for the word of the Lord that you brought, and I ask God that you would let us just go out with joy and know that we are um, living in uh, really the, the shadow of your wings this week and this, this season of our life, that God, we are protected, we are loved, we are covered, and God, as we offer ourselves, we are certainly under that, under that canopy of your protection this week, I pray in Jesus' name. Go with joy, and uh, don't forget to check out our merch. We're selling shirts for the women's ministry stuff. Uh, we designed some stuff for you. It's Women of Wonder, but if you'd like to buy something, we're selling after service. Also, have a great week in God. Check out the Realm and your community group listing. And Sandy Miner's here. She's got an awesome women's Bible study up starting this week. Check in with Sandy. All right, have a great week. <laughs>